0: Hi everyone, this is Tracy Fenton, founder of WorldBlue and the WorldBlue Academy, and welcome to the Freedom at Work podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think with a freedom-centered mindset, thrive as a freedom-centered leader, and finally, how to build a freedom-centered culture for your team or workplace. This podcast is about answering one key question. How can you, as a leader, use freedom rather than fear to unleash the full potential of individuals, teams, and organizations in order to achieve breakthrough results and change the world for the better? If you want to explore the answers, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to part two of this podcast episode. My guest today is Vishen Lakhwani, founder and CEO of Mind Valley. For our listeners who may just be joining us and learning about World Blue and what we teach, let me explain real quick. The freedom at work system that we teach and that Mind Valley is operationalized has three parts to it. It's about how do you cultivate a freedom centered mindset, lead in a freedom centered way, and then design your organization to operate using freedom rather than fear with the framework of organizational design. The optimal framework is organizational democracy, like we're talking about. And I love what you know, what you're clarifying underneath all of this mission is right, sometimes when you say the word democracy, and of course we're not talking about a political system here. We're talking about a way of organizing that gives real power to the people, like you just talked about at Mind Valley when you say the word democracy, people often think you're talking about voting. And I love to point out, well, you know, they voted in Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Did that make it democratic? No, Uh you know, voting is a way of making a decision, but it's not the system of democracy. You know, just like you pointed out, democracy is about dialogue and listening. It's about transparency. It's about accountability, you know, the OKRs. There's accountability there. And that, you know, and it's these 10 principles that we teach I want to take a step back though, Vishen, and talk about really it starts with mindset. And you know, you told your story of meditation and how that brought you into basically now building the number one transformational education company in the world within the next 20 to 25 years, which I absolutely love. But the thing that I notice is it really does start with the mindset of the CEO. And, you know, in my early days of starting World Blue over 20 years ago, I kind of thought, oh yeah, you know, we can teach these ideas at any level within the organization and, and hopefully they'll trickle up. And there were some hard lessons that had to be learned in the beginning of going, no, actually, if the CEO is not on board, it's just not going to fly. It's not going to be sustainable. So I want to hear from you. Why do you think the mindset of the CEO, of the leader is so vital to saying, we're going to work in freedom rather than fear? we're going to operate in a more democratic way rather than command and control
1: so firstly it has it's it's not a binary thing to me there are times when command and control are necessary for example there was a time when we were going through a massive series of back to back loss months right Mm-hmm. Um, basically, an enterprise platform we had used, you know, we had signed up to, was failing, and our customers were not getting our emails and we were bleeding money. Now, in those scenarios, I go from being a peacetime CEO to a wartime CEO. Yep. When you go to a wartime CEO, it means this is a struggle for survival. Certain democratic things are going to be halved. Innovation is going to be suppressed. It's all about fixing this bug that's causing us to bleed money so we survive this quarter. Mm-hmm. So again, you got to understand that companies go through different stages. I've been in stages where I've had to fight it out to survive. And every entrepreneur knows what I'm talking about. It's that times when you're running out of freaking cash. And if you don't do something and align and shut down the ideas, which aren't helping, you're going to die and have to lay off everyone. So absolutely, so, so, yeah. But most of the last four or five years, it's been a peacetime CEO role for me. Now, my philosophy comes from this. I guess Peggy McCord in her book, Powerful, Peggy McCord is the woman who worked with Reed Hastings to create the culture for Netflix. So in her book, Powerful, she has this amazing quote, which is really the essence of the book. And it goes something like this. She talks about how she has such disdain for the word empowerment. She says, look, your people do not need to be empowered. Your people are powerful. They are powerful as soon as they walk in through the door. Your goal is to let them use this power. Now, that, is a very, very, very key aspect of how I run. I try to bring in the most powerful people I can. And of course, they are misses. I'd say 10% of the people I bring in don't work out. They are miss-hire miss and we, we move them to a different place or we in certain situations, we have to let them go. There's always, you know, but 90%, they have this thing that they're bringing in. And my job is to ensure they can use this power. Now, here's how we do that, right? We ensure that everybody who works at Valley. I tell them, look, I want you to do something so freaking powerful that one to two years from now, I won't be able to afford you. Like seriously, I want you to create software that's so revolutionary that Google wants to poach you or create a marketing thing that's so incredible that you can leave knowing that you never have to worry about a job again because every damn advertising agency will want you on their payroll. And I challenge people to do that. And sometimes people do that and they leave. And that's great. We stay friends. Many of my closest friends in the world are my ex-employees. But, but more often than not, what happens is that people do these epic things and they stay because they get to do epic things and they get to, they get to be powerful. Now, out of maybe 10 people I hire, mm-hmm. one, one out of 10, Will really go far in this area. And they become legends. They end up speaking on TEDx stages. Several of them have written their own book or been in documentary films. Right? And they still are part of Mind Valley. And I love that. And so I've created this, this organization where, you know, it's, it's sort of like a multi-headed dragon. It's not just me, I am the CEO. But there are so many incredible, powerful capable people just crushing it in different divisions because we've given them that mindset to be powerful. And this power, by the way, it comes from having a vision. You see, one thing I learned over the past couple of years is that you can hire people who are visionaries and they take the company forward, or you can hire people who lack vision. And when you lack vision, what I found is that they tend to, because they lack vision, they lack forward momentum, they can't inspire their team And because of that lack of vision, they tend to get obsessed with the here and now, with the nitty gritty of management and Mm -hmm. drama. Mm. And so to me, in Mind Valley, if you want to be a leader, it's not about your management skills. That that tends to come as part of it. It's about your ability to envision a better world, your ability to, to see forward into the future, to create, to build. And so we try to create a company that's led by such
0: visionaries. I love that vision. And you know, this whole thing that you're talking about, around power, it's, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. You know, part of what we teach at World Blue is freedom centered leadership, right? How we lead from a place of freedom rather than fear. And we say there are three core attributes to being a freedom centered leader. And one of those attributes is power. It's knowing how to be powerful, how to be in your power in the right way. And again, when we're talking about freedom, this is not some sort of you know wishy-washy kumbaya thing. It is powerful and it's passionate and it's effective and it's focused. And I love what you're saying about creating an environment where everyone can be in their power. And I completely agree. We don't need to go run around. How do I empower my people? No. How do we create an environment where they can truly be at their best and be in their power? And it's so inspiring and, to hear how, how I, you all are doing it. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: And I'd like to share a tip on a way, a practical way that people can do this. Firstly, definitely read Peggy McCord's book. Um, yes.
0: Great book. Definitely,
1: definitely make a note to buy my book when it comes out, the next one, Code of the Extraordinary Team, because I go deep into this, but also Read John Dower's Measure What Matters. It's a book on OKRs. John Dower came from Intel. He's one of the early investors in Google. And there's a really interesting philosophy of OKRs that comes from Google. Actually, it came from the mind of Larry Page. And I love Larry Page. He's the, the founder of Google for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last 20 years. But in Google, when you're setting your goals as a team, right? Fifty percent of your goals, roughly, should be stretch goals, meaning goals which are so forward-thinking, so revolutionary, that there's about it's about a coin flip whether you're going to attain them or not. Fifty percent of your goals are stretch goals, and, and a stretch goal means fifty percent chance of failure. Now, mm-hmm. Google's actual chance of fail, uh, rate of failure is about forty percent, right? So Google has had many failures, from Google Social Network to Google Wave, but they've also had incredible successes like YouTube, like Gmail, but what happens is we take that and we bring that into mind value. So any team that's setting goals, 50% of their goals have to be stretch goals. They have to really make you stretch. And if you cannot seriously say, look, I have a 50% chance of failing, but I'm going to give it my best, then you're thinking too small. I love that. Mm -hmm. This really pushes people to become Mm -hmm. powerful.
0: Mm -hmm. And, And the
1: best people in the world, they love that challenge. But again, for this to happen, you cannot tie compensation these goals because as soon as you tie compensation to it, people start thinking small. They start setting achievable goals. So again, remember that competition is completely untangled from this process, but every team sets stretch goals. They know that there's a strong likelihood that they may fail, but they do it anyway because everybody, all amazing people in the world, love a challenge. We are goal-driven animals and people want to leave a mark in the world. People want significance. And by giving people a stretch goal, you inspire them, you give them significance. Now you make people completely intrinsically driven. And this changes the game of how your company works. So we're able to do so many bold things because our people are bold. They are setting these ridiculously ambitious goals for themselves and, and pulling them off. You
0: know, Vishen, I want to ask you, A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business owners, C-suite leaders, top leaders within their companies. And often we find we have companies coming to us saying, help our people become better leaders. But the people at the top don't want to do the inner leadership development themselves, which is shocking to me. And so I know that you've been on a journey, but will you just speak to why is it so important that top leaders are also doing the inner work necessary to lead a company from a place of freedom rather than fear. Well,
1: I'll put it this way: I'm going to quote a conversation I had with one of the, I guess you could call him one of the top teachers at MBA programs globally. His name is Sri Professor Sri Kumar Rao. Oh, and I know uh, Sri
0: Kumar. a good friend. Yep. Yeah, so,
1: so, so, so Rao has thought that. Columbia Business School, London Business School, Kellogg's, and so on. And you know his classes are really popular. I believe he has a he's known for having classes where there's a wait list to get in. But he came to me once. He was speaking at one of our Mind Valley events, and he said, "Vision, we got to change the way business schools teach." And I'm like, "What? What do you mean?" And he goes, "They have to teach." a new, more conscious way of running a business. And I'm like, but Rao, they do that. And he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. What they think is conscious, what Stanford and Harvard think is conscious is basically teaching business ethics. After Enron, ethics became all of the rage. But no, that's not what I'm talking about. This is what I mean. And so I go, okay, tell me, what do you mean? And he goes, look, what they have to teach and where business schools are broken is with this one concept. Your business is not about your business. Your business is about your growth. Everything has to be about your growth. If you're growing, your business grows. And he went on to say that what he meant by that is that, look, we have to make our lives about our transformation, our rate of learning, our rate of transformation, our rate of becoming a better human being. He went on to say, if your business fails, who cares? Did you grow? If your business becomes a billion-dollar business, who cares? Did you grow? And he says, when you approach life like that, you grow because your growth is the number one thing. And when you grow, your business cannot help but grow. So that, that is basically a key principle that I bring in my life. I don't sacrifice my health or my sleep or my gym for my business. I take ample holidays. I don't work more than 60 hours a week, even though I'm crazy busy. And I bring this to my people as well. Like my people... For example, when my people set OKRs, one of their five OKRs has to be a personal OKR related to growth. So for example, on my executive team, one person is getting an MBA on the side. Another person is about to go on a diet and change his body fat percentage. Another person is about to be certified in breath work. Another person is about to run three Spartan races. Mm. And, I, and I know this. I know this automatically because this is my executive team. So growth and then, individual's growth is so important that me as the CEO knows the growth goals for everybody in my team, just like I know they are KPIs for the business.
0: It, that is so cool. I love that. You know, this whole you touched on something that I think is really important, which is this whole myth that to build a company, you have to be burned out, stressed out, anxiety ridden, destroy your relationships with your family, you know, to achieve the success and. The reality is, when I look at our World Blue Certified Freedom Center companies, when I talk with the CEOs and the leaders and the individuals working in those companies, there's a sense of peace. There's a sense of work life balance. You know, there's a sense because they're not operating in this drama, <laughs> frenzy, fear based environment, you know? And even at World Blue, like, yeah, I'm a hardworking entrepreneur and CEO, and my whole team is, but we're not, you know, stressed out people. You know, I have my daily spiritual practice. I exercise every day. I eat healthy. I get good sleep. You know, you're able to do that when you operate this way. And I love what you're saying, how the, in many ways our, our businesses are the mirror to who we are. And as we're growing, the business is growing, you know? And if it's not, if we're not doing that inner work and having that, that reciprocal relationship and things aren't going as we like, we have to take a step back and kind of go, where am I? You know, where am I? Am I doing the inner work? And am I doing that growth that is so vital and so necessary? Plus just walking the talk. You know, if you want your people to be at their best, you've got to model that along the way. You know, Vishen, I want to talk about organizational design. And you, we talked earlier about some of the practices that you guys are doing and implementing. But one of them that I really want you to touch on is the awesomeness report because I think it also relates to what we're talking about here, <laughs> about people being in their power, being awesome, being at their peak, and the way that you all do the awesomeness report at Mind Valley. Will you tell our listeners what that's about? Sure.
1: Yeah. So so every every Thursday at five PM, the entire company comes together. And our CHRO, his name is Ezekiel, he collects keynote slides from every division. And it's not obligatory, but people submit keynote slides on a big update or a learning they want to share with the company or someone or something they want to be grateful for or a new vision that they want to share or a value that they want to tell a story about. And so, you know, today, we just had one today. It's Thursday as we're recording this. Someone shared gratitude for a person who was part of our company and is now leaving, and had done an incredible job in her five years at the company. We all expressed love for her on stage, gave her hugs, and and cried with her. I shared a video of a new author that we brought on, and it was actually a video of him standing up for families who were separated at the U.S.-Mexican border. And I stated that we, as a company, should seek authors who take a positive, stand in the world and stand up for unity. So that was an example of sharing of value. Another person got up and shared the great results in a a marketing campaign that had been run and then thanked and acknowledged the people who had done it for him. Another person shared a new promotional video that had been created for a YouTube channel that was mind-blowing. And she, you know, she was appreciated. So what's going on there is that people are celebrating together. They're practicing gratitude together. They are giving thanks together. They are sharing Their value system. And what happens when you do something like this together as a company is that you establish a common code within the culture. So here's, here's what I mean by that. Today, in our A report, we had several hundred people there, maybe about 200, sorry, maybe about 150 who were tuned in. And we had six new people. And the six new people, as they are watching, they immediately learn the rules of the tribe. They learn what to be grateful for, what is celebrated, what is good, what is a value that they can espouse. And so human beings, human beings basically tend to emulate. There's a famous study, I do remember the name of the study, but it essentially says that when faced in with a complex world, human beings simplify through imitation. We look at what our peers are doing and we we imitate. And so what's happening is that we're getting people to very rapidly imitate good behavior good culture, good ideas, good value systems. It's a contagion of celebration, gratefulness, and healthy values and culture. And it infuses everyone with the right mindset. That's why these air reports are so powerful.
0: Oh, it's wonderful! I've seen pictures of it in your beautiful, colorful, bright, amazing, inspiring office, and you know, just hearing about it and what it's doing to teach culture, to teach the Freedom Center culture that you all have through these awesomeness reports every week is so inspiring. So, Bishop, our last question I want to ask you is: for leaders who are listening and thinking about, gosh, do we go down a path of building a Freedom Center workplace culture or not? When does a leader know? That they're ready to build a freedom centered culture. When do they know they're ready?
1: Well, I think I think what leaders have to understand is that this isn't about when you're ready. This is like a modern way of doing business. I think it's so important that we start embracing work this way, because work is about to go through a massive disruption. As AI and robotics enter the picture, jobs are gonna change. For example, Elon Musk once said recently, it's not a question of whether universal basic income is going to come to America. It's a question of when. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Bill Gates has said, if robots take our job, let's tax the robots. Basically, what's going to happen is work is going to be optional. People are now theorizing, and I believe this, and I'm building my company to be a bulletproof to this, is that work weeks are going to go down to 15 to 20 hours. Mm -hmm. People will be paid universal basic income. And if you are trying to build a company, and you want to get great people to work for you, guess what? It's no longer about money. It's no longer about a damn resume or a career because nobody will have to work 20 years from now. And by the way, 20 years, it's happening that fast. Mm. So what you need to do is to make work about a completely different set of rules. And there are four things. The first is it's about happiness. So while work is about to become optional, Loneliness is rising across the Western world. Loneliness is up three hundred percent, and according to Harvard Business Review, loneliness is worse for you than smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. A lot of people who joined Mind Valley joined because they were they had their own business, but they were lonely, lonely working from home. And so, if you can if you can find a way to resolve that bit by making work about community, about family, about connection, you give people a reason to wake up every morning and come to the office. Now the second one is about growth. Are you helping your employees grow? I see a world where every company is not just asking the employees to be engaged in the company vision, but the company is engaged in the employee's vision. They're helping employees get the right health advice to you know, run that next marathon, help find the right classes so they can get qualified in breathwork or whatever else they want. Companies helping an employee reach. Their vision is going to be a huge, huge, huge trend. So that's growth. Mm. The third one is meaning. People want to feel part of something big. We use objective and key results, not just because it creates alignment, but because it gives people meaning. When people understand why we want to do what we do, they know that we are seeking to improve the condition of mankind and humankind in, in massive ways. They want to be part of that. And they can see through the OKR process how what they do, whether they are customer support or they are an app developer, how it contributes to that bigger picture. This gives them meaning. Now, the fourth one is significance. Mm. People want to know that their lives matter. And so you want to give people a chance to do something powerful, to achieve something. And so when I look at work, It's not even about money. I mean, pay great salaries, pay 10% above the market rate, make people happy, share profits with your employees. We do all of that. But those four things, that's what you want to do if you want to make your company not just survive, but thrive in this disruptive age that we're about to be entering.
0: That's incredible. I love that. And all of that ultimately is about freedom and possibility. So, those four things are right on the mark. You have built a world class, highly inspiring Freedom Center company in Mind Valley. Vision, it's been so great to have you with me today, my friend. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And remember to live, lead, and work in freedom. Talk with you on the next podcast. Bye bye. Thanks everyone for tuning in to today's show on freedom at work. If you like what you heard and you're interested in finding out if you're a fit to work with World Blue, here's what I invite you to do next. Head on over to worldblue.com slash call. That's world and then blue without an E, B-L-U and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and explore how to help you develop a freedom-centered mindset thrive as a freedom-centered leader or build a freedom-centered workplace culture. Remember, living, leading, and working in freedom rather than fear in order to unleash your full potential does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have over 20 years of experience working all over the world with top leaders and brands from small businesses to fortune 500 companies, helping them achieve results with our proven methods and courses to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to worldblue.com call and book a call with our team. Now I'm Tracy Fenton, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.